0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: It's another episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Dan Lauletta with Chelsea Bush and John Halloran. And this week. As we wish everybody out there a happy Mother's Day, including, by the way, Alex Morgan, who finally gave birth to her daughter two days before Mother's Day. So two days on, Alex Morgan got to celebrate Mother's Day. But this week we will discuss uh, some rosters that we put together, our second 23, so to speak. In other words, there's a lot of discussion about the U.S. women's national team and how deep it is and how you could have a B team that could actually compete at the World Cup. So John Chelsea and I decided to put together our second 23. 23 players eligible to play for the national team who we would have named to the World Cup roster if we wiped out the first 23 who were on the team in 2019. So it could have been players headed for the Olympics, and uh, it, you know, it could have been players that are way down the line in terms of uh, you know they're, they're still in the youth system, but we each put together a list of 23 players, and I have a feeling that the three of us went about this very differently. So, uh, John, Chelsea, um, you know, the weekly question, how has everybody holding up so far? We're in the last week.
0: That well, huh? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's kind of There's a little just... fuzzy
0: around the edges at times, I can tell well, you that.
2: It's like, like I had to actually go into my office uh, for work this last week and somebody on the morning was like, how's your weekend? And I was like, it's like every other weekend these days, is not a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, and I, I don't think this applies to you, Chelsea, in Texas, but I keep debating like when the weather gets nicer and warmer, will that make it worse or a little bit better that we're able to stay, we have to stay, you know, at home and mostly inside. And then Mother's Day weekend, it was like 38 degrees and rainy the other night Did in New York. Did you get any snow? Um, my family mentioned that there were a few flakes here and there, but not enough that you'd like to look out the window and say, oh, wow, it's snowing. How about
0: you, John? Yeah, no, I've had the same question because it's been pretty miserable here in, in Chicagoland. But, you know, you do get those nice days and you think, ooh, you know, we we can't go to the pool we can't go downtown we can't you know and so you you can't go to the lake and so what are you gonna what are we gonna do with all that time um i don't know it's gonna get interesting um probably spend a lot of time out on the back porch yeah any snow for you uh not this week but it usually we usually get one the first week of may i think we avoided that this year but uh it's always a a fun reminder for the people who like to shout out about how we need to move the NWSL to the European calendar.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Major league soccer too. I always laugh about that when it's like yeah. 25 degrees and, and I don't even live in the you know, cold climate by comparison in New York. It's much colder for you and not to mention, you know, Northeastern Canada or Southeastern Canada. Yeah. All right. Let's get to these rosters. Um, let's start with the boring goalkeeper spot. And I think, we basically have to have three goalkeepers on the traditional World Cup roster. Um, we'll just all say our three and then we can open it up for discussion. But I've got Aubrey Bledsoe, Nicole Barnhart and Casey Murphy.
0: Those are the exact same three I had. I was um, afraid of that. Yeah. But you know, it was, it, we've had this discussion before here and elsewhere, but the Barnhart one might surprise people, but she, you know, if you got to win one game, you know, if you can, if you can have a coach who's comfortable enough, with the idea that maybe she's not going to train every day or maybe she can't do everything that everybody else in the group is doing. But you just want somebody who is experienced, who's not going to make a, a big blunder, who's going to keep you uh, in, a, in a good game. She's got to be the one, I think. Chelsea, do you have the same three?
2: You're I actually mix don't, it up? I, I, I am going to veer off the path here. and, and I, have, I have a reason. I'll explain it. So I have Bledsoe, Murphy, and I have Jane Campbell over Barnhart. Now, ex- because... She was my 24th player. If anyone had listened to our previous podcast, we kind of teased this. I'd mentioned I 24. She was sort of my last cut, and that is because, yes, in a one-game scenario, I absolutely want Nicole Barnhart. But this was supposed to be our our backup U.S. Women's National Team or uh, Women's World Cup roster. So I thought, can Nicole Barnhart make it through a tournament? And I'm not certain. I mean, she's been held together with tape. Week in and week out for a couple seasons now. I'm not certain going into a tournament that I'd I'd want you know that to rely on that. Now she'd be valuable to have on the bench, but I just I went a little bit younger um, in that regard.
1: It's not an unfair way to look at Barnhart, I don't think. And because I think Barnhart only got removed from the team because she couldn't train, right?
2: Pretty much uh, that was the, or that was the what we were told basically was that she. She couldn't really handle the, the rigors of the training for, for any major tournament at that point. So, again, she's, she's continued to prove us wrong week in and week out for, like, four years. But, I can't
1: remember. It was one of the two years that Kansas City won, and Vlako Andonowski said that every week he would say, why don't we give you a week off? And she said, no, 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 give me one more week, give me one more week. And I think she played every game whatever that season was, and wound up winning the NWSL championship, which is not too bad. But she was literally on the injured list, I think, every week yeah. that season. So all right, well, that one was pretty boring. I, you know, I, I, Obviously, it would probably come down to training, but I think if I were writing out an 11 right now based on only the information I have, I think Bledsoe gets the nod for me right now. I think she's the best of the rest.
2: Interesting. I probably would have gone with Casey Murphy. Okay. I didn't pick out an eleven because it, I just I couldn't. I like so a lot. I think she's remarkably consistent in NWSL. I kind of feel like Murphy's ceiling is higher, and just she just needs a little bit more consistency.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And I had yeah. Campbell as my fourth too, so I think that's right, right there too.
1: Yeah, I think if we put this out to the masses, I think most people would include Campbell. But I don't know. There's just something there that I'm not sold yet that she's the next goalkeeper for the national team.
0: It'd be nice to see her with a better team over the course of a season because it's hard to judge somebody when they're getting pummeled the way they usually are in Houston.
1: Yeah, I think she might have a little bit of a better back line if we get a 2020 season than she's had in the past, but but we'll see.
0: Yeah.
2: Also, the argument of of how much of organizing a back line can you put on the goalkeeper
1: sure I, that's a great i mean we could do an entire podcast on that i think yeah right you, you look back to brian escurry right the best saves are the ones that you don't have to make and i think that her by like her biggest strength i think or one of the two was organizing the defense in front of her
2: i always felt that same way about hope solo as well i think she she really commanded her her, her box very well and that was kind of one of her biggest attributes.
1: I also agree, Murphy, uh, higher ceiling than Bledsoe, but I think Bledsoe right now, more consistent, which is why I would probably yeah. give her that knot right now. All right, let's do defenders here. I've got seven defenders, and I struggled with this one a good bit, but I'll just read you my seven. Uh, I've got Barnes, Oyster, Menges, Short,
0: Purse, Matthias, and Staub. Anyway, matthias is an interesting one because i had her in my big pool when i kind of sat down and thought about everybody who could be included but then i put her over it in kind of a separate injured question mark category because you don't really know where she's at right now right yeah i'm trying to overlook the fact that she tore acl after you know
1: that was after the world cup so yeah I mean, if you were picking it now obviously you'd have to find someone else
0: but i'll give her the benefit of the doubt that by the time we play this fictitious world cup she'll be back because I think um, Taylor Smith and Emily Fox are probably in a similar boat, where like Smith, at least, was on the bubble of the national team for a while, and then tore her ACL, and Emily Fox was even pushing into the team late last fall, and uh, even even in January she was in the in the roster that played against France, and then she tore her ACL this fall. She
1: started that game, didn't she? Yeah, she did.
0: So, who are your? So I Six, had seven. um so my 8 I went with 8 I went very traditional I had a you know it was interesting you said 7 because I I wanted to put 7 forwards and only 5 midfielders and I thought I can't do that in good conscience cuz that would drive me crazy to go into a tournament short in one position like that so uh my 8 were in the back line were Casey Short, uh Jaylene Daniels, Lauren Barnes, Emily Mengus, Midge Purse, Paige Nielsen, Sarah Gordon and Megan Oyster and uh, I'm certainly prepared to take a homer tag on Sarah Gordon because I don't <laughs> think anybody else would have her that high, but uh, but uh, she was right there for me, and then the one that I had on the bubble was uh, Dorsey. See, I
1: actually have Dorsey coming up later in the roster at a different position. Okay. And that's part of the reason, actually, that I included her. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good call. Way all over. Um, Jaylene Daniels, by the way, is Jaylene Hinkle, uh, well, Chelsea, give us your, and then I'll I'll comment on, on some of those.
2: <laughs> okay, so um, I went with Daniels, Haley Mace, Menges, Tegan McGrady, Katie Naughton, uh, Casey Short, Sam Staub, and Megan Oyster.
1: That's interesting because I thought about including, um, I, I, you just said the list, and I can't even remember who I thought about including already. Uh, read not- me your uh, list again.
2: Chelsea, uh, do you- yeah, Daniels, Mace, Mingus, McGrady, Naughton, Oyster, Short, stop
1: Yeah, Naughton is one that I thought about, but I didn't think she had a great season last year. I mean, I think she would be the first to admit that. Um, I also, I did think about Sarah Gordon, but I think she's just a little bit too raw still at this point. But I'd like to see her as someone that gets gets a call up. I didn't put Jaylene Daniels, and I thought about this a lot. Yeah, I, I Not because, you know, not because she's, you know, and opposed to, you know, same sex marriage, but she pulled herself out of the national team for personal reasons. It didn't make any sense to me. And and I'm going to hold that against her.
2: Yeah, I I went back and forth on her and and actually bringing back Megan Klingenberg for a little bit of experience. Um, I think ultimately and in this this sort of fake scenario, I I just went with kind of the talent. Um, She certainly has the talent to be there. And in a real world situation, I, I have no problem with her. Not being called up again because she pulled herself out of camp and you can't, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that would happen every June that, that that issue came up. And that's just not, you can't just, you can't do that. Um, so, yeah. That's, and if she would do
1: it for that, who knows what else she might do it for.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I went back and forth and in, in and out on that one. And I said, well, for this for this exercise, I'll stick with it. But that, that was definitely a, a big asterisk next to it. I do
1: think if you're putting together the best team, just purely on soccer, I think if you have Short and Daniels Hinkle as your outside backs, defensively at least, that's a better outside back tandem than O'Hara and Dunn, isn't it?
2: Oh, Oh, for sure. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I I will. John's not waiting into this one. I
2: jumped off the deep end on that. Absolutely.
1: Um, but again, you know, it's not just based, it's not just defensively, you know, you still have, And I, I mean, I, I'd be, I would be comfortable starting a World Cup game on soccer terms with Short and Hinkle as my outside backs.
2: And then, uh, Lauren Barnes was another one of my kind of went in and out and, and ultimately skewed a little bit younger.
1: But the, the other thing when I was debating whether or not to put Daniels on the team is that the outside, who is your other outside back? Like, I'm, I'm not a big midge purse outside back on the national team person you know we talked about matthias has the torn acl and i think matthias is good but i think matthias gets a big upgrade by the club team that she plays on so maybe that would
2: happen
1: the national team
2: i'm not yeah that that one i think and that's something we can maybe talk about at the end a little bit but i'll just point out that this really kind of revealed some of the places where, where we really need to start looking into the college ranks and Um, I kind of discounted anyone who had a torn ACL at this point. So it's like Emily Fox, but I think she's one to keep an eye on the future. Though we'll point out, I think her last game with the US was maybe her last couple were not that impressive. I don't think she's quite to this level yet. Um, I'm not as, I'm not as high on on Sarah Gordon or Matthias for that, for that matter. Um, I, I do think depending on where we see Haley Mace, that that could be someone we need to maybe pencil in, uh, for the future.
0: That was an interesting one too that you had because I have her on my list on my, future list but man I remember watching her for UCLA and I always thought she played better at forward than when she played in the back so it's going to be real interesting with North Carolina this year if she does play at outside back which is where I think everybody kind of thinks she's going to end up
2: yeah I mean there were and we'll see that as we get further on there were definitely a couple I just kind of took a swing at based on basically college and youth national team promise
0: and, and the college uh, is interesting, too, because I had Macy Bell kind of in my original thought process, and I think she's won maybe in a year or two. Could kind of pop through.
1: And I left Mace off because she didn't really play enough, I don't think, over the last year. Maybe that runs counter to putting Matthias in when she has a torn ACL. Um, yeah, but when you're I the thought,
0: head coach, you get to do crazy stuff like that, right? Well, like this, player, is, this is true. Player <laughs> Players coming up like two weeks off of uh, ACL, you throw them on the roster, but you put your... 15-year veteran in the uh, alternate pool. Well, that's the Olympics, though. Ah, uh, yes.
1: <laughs>
2: thanks, thanks, John.
1: Uh, <laughs> and I also kept – I was going to put Fox on as a stretch player because I've always thought that you've got to have young players on these World Cup teams. So I did go with one particularly young player because I want to make sure that I'm true to what I've been saying for so many years, but – uh, Fox didn't make the cut, partially because she had already played a little bit and not very effectively. Um, so, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I just have a lesser opinion of Emily Fox than some others. Maybe I just haven't seen her uh, in the right moments. Now, John, who do you envision based on who you have in there? What's your Who are your outside, obviously,
0: Short? Short and Daniels as the starters, okay, right, right, and then right. uh, Barnes and Menges as the center back combination. Okay,
1: and and who else? And your other outside backs then
0: are? I I had Purse and Gordon as my backups. Um, but again, it's it's interesting what you said about Dorsey because I probably could have gone one shorter at forward if I wanted, including Purse in my back line because obviously she can play up front if needed, and she might even be better up front. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a Dorsey outside back fan though. I think that
1: is was in the plans at Sky Blue this year, so. Uh, we'll see what happens with Dorsey, but I think she's got an incredible future you know, if she continues to improve. All right, goalkeepers, defenders are down. We've got midfielders and forwards to go. We will come back after a short break and continue with our next 23 on the Equalizer podcast.
3: Hey, everyone. Jeff Kasouf here, founder of the Equalizer. We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment, but first, I want to make sure you know about another podcast that we have called Kicking Back. In Kickin' Back, I speak with players, coaches, and personalities from across women's soccer about defining moments in their careers and what their futures hold. It's a casual, conversational podcast featuring superstars of the game and unsung heroes you probably don't know enough about. We talk to Becky Sauerbrunn about the moment she realized that she was good enough to play for the U.S. national team. Crystal Dunn describes her love-hate relationship with constantly switching positions and how she and her husband manage working for rival NWSL teams. Allie Riley traces her globe-trotting journey and shares her Oscar-worthy video moments and top vegan recipes. Jill Ellis details the tactical nuance most people missed as she guided the U.S. to back to back World Cup titles. Beverly Yanez reflects on the growth of her game throughout her career and when she knew it was time to start the next chapter. Our podcast is wide-ranging and our list of guests ever-growing. You can find Kickin' Back, no G in there, just an apostrophe, because we're keeping it casual, on any platform you use to stream podcasts, including this one right here. Just like with this podcast, subscribers to the Equalizer Extra get an ad-free version, so be sure to subscribe to all of our exclusive content, which includes text, audio, everything, at equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. When you finish up with this pod, please go ahead and check out our latest on Kickin' Back. We hope the two of these complement each other nicely as you dive deeper into women's soccer.
1: Segment two on Equalizer podcast, wishing everyone again a happy Mother's Day and a reminder to check us out on the web at equalizersoccer.com. And for premium content, equalizer.soccer.com/slash subscribe. Doing our best to get you as much good content as we can. In with the lack of NWSL and US Women's National Team games and news, uh, the latest for NWSL individual training, I guess, has begun, or at least the green light to begin was given on Wednesday of last week. However, federal, state, and local uh, guidelines must be met, so it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot going on just yet. In Portland, Diani was long rumored to be coming over from PSG, uh, but she just recently signed an extension with PSG, so, uh, unclear on, on what her, dis- what her thinking was on that decision. And on the national team front, we have the appeal has official. I don't know if it's been filed, but, uh, the intent to file an appeal of the summary judgment that basically struck down a majority of the national team's uh, lawsuit against U.S. soccer, claiming uh, wage discrimination on gender grounds. So a uh, lo- little bit more to go in terms of that court case and whatnot. And what do you guys think on the Diani front? Because I don't blame anybody at this point for not wanting to go to another continent, even another town, to be honest, to work, if you don't absolutely have to. And it sounds like PSG gave her a load of money, which the Thorns maybe would have done also, but... I think the uh, I think this COVID, even when we come out of it, is going to have a pretty big impact on the transfer market. I think worldwide, men and women.
0: Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I don't. I wouldn't have a ton of confidence about the way that we're handling it as a country if I was watching this from abroad. I mean, yeah, not not the we're, we're not testing. We're not tracing. We've got half the countries ready to just throw in the towel on social distancing. Um, I'd be a little bit scared to come here, to be honest.
1: And even the German Bundesliga, where they started training, I think they're going to play this coming weekend. A bunch of positives are already come out of that. Yep. So, all right, let's get back into our next 23. Here are my seven midfielders. McCall Zerboni, Andy Sullivan, Danielle Colaprico, Vanessa DiBernardo, Haley Hansen, Imani Dorsey, and Brianna Pinto. And I'm guessing you guys don't have anything close to that seven.
0: I had three of the same. I had Colaprico, Cola uh, Zerboni, and Sullivan. Okay. The three differences I had were me, Christy Mewis, Jordan DiBiase, and Vanessa DiBernardo. Um, okay. I have Di, DiBernardo's on mine. And then, uh, oh, okay. Sorry, I missed one. And then I Dorsey, as we already mentioned, was kind of on my bubble. And then Pinto was on my future list along with oh, uh, Jalen Howell, who I thought uh, is somebody who has a future. Chelsea?
2: I have Colaprico, DiBernardo, DiBiase, Hansen, Mewis, and Sullivan. Uh, Zerboni was, was on the bubble for me. I just, I, I, given her performances last year, um, kind of played around with her a little bit and decided not to go for it.
1: Now, I put Pinto on the list because, as I talked about earlier i've been saying for years you've got to have a teenager or a young player on your world cup roster because you don't need 23 players to win a world cup despite what the coaches and the players will tell you there are players on a world cup roster i don't want to say that they're expendable they have to be there they have to be present they have to train with you but you don't need to utilize 23 players to win the world cup so i don't know why pretty much every year the u.s is the only team that doesn't have a young player like a Pinto on the roster. So, um, you know, could it have been Jalen Howell, maybe, but that's just the one I went to at this point. And I've got Zerboni. Um, Cola Prego is a little bit of a stretch, don't you think, John, uh, just on the fact that she hasn't been healthy in a couple of years?
0: Maybe, but also don't forget that in the spring, it looked like she might be pushing for a spot in the 23. She had made the camps in... I think October, November, January and March, and she had to pull out of the she believes with an injury. And that was kind of like, ooh, now there's no shot. There's no shot at making the world cup roster because that was March. Um, but she was still in the, you know, whatever they were calling into camps there, 25, et cetera, all the way into March of a world cup year. So I think she was right there at the end. It was. I believe Morgan Bryan and Ally Long, who ended up coming in and ultimately filling those, those midfield spots. But Colaprico was probably slightly ahead of them early, early last year.
1: Now, I think it was 2016 where I thought you could have made a case for her to be the MVP of the NWSL. Do you think she's that good anymore? Or has she was that a plateau for her and she's still very good but didn't necessarily
0: improve off that? Yeah, I don't know. I think she's one of those players. One, I think she's a, she's a different player if you watch her in person. I think if you're in the stadium and you watch her movement off the ball, when, like when Chicago's in the attacking third, if you're watching Colaprico, uh position herself for when they lose the ball and what the transition is going to look like, I think you see her quality a little bit more. I also think you see her quality when you look at – ball winning stats, because if you, you know, and you have, when you stand next to Danielle Colaprico, you realize how small she is, but yep. you look at her ball winning stats and she's right up there with winning balls in the air, which is crazy to me. Um, you know, whether it's her ability to jump or her ability to read the ball or meet the ball at its highest point, she wins a surprising uh, amount of balls in the air for her size and just, purely, uh, amongst any players. So, uh, yeah, I don't think she, obviously she wasn't a hundred percent last year and she started to kind of get back to that in the fall. But I think if you look where she was at the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019, I think there is a case that she's in this, in this group. I, I, okay.
2: I just want to point out, I also think that I like Colabrico best as sort of a pure six. Yeah. And I think that in recent years, obviously with Juilliard's playing there, that's kind of, I think negatively impacted Colaprico a little bit.
0: It's kind of, that's the same thing that's happened to Di Bernardo. Like there are times you see Di Bernardo control a game, but because of the way that Chicago's roster is built, she gets pushed out to the left or deeper. Yeah. And so you don't get to see her quality uh, as you do when she's playing her quote unquote, natural position.
3: Yeah, I, agree I was. With that as well.
1: I was. I was going to say something similar in that you know we've seen the Colaprico Earth thing in Chicago for years now, but I kind of don't necessarily think the four three three is where Colaprico would be best in the national team format. We talk about that with Dunn that you don't move Dunn. You can't move Dunn to midfield in a 4-3-3 and she's probably not good enough at this point to be a forward. I think Colaprico would be better in a four four two setup.
2: Go back to the old. Diamond.
1: Something like that, yep. Or maybe, you know, Cole Prigo and Zerboni at the bottom of a Paul Riley box. You make Riley the coach on this team, how about that? <laughs> That's
0: it. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. That, that could, could work, no?
0: No, it could. I, I like something similar. It's called an empty bucket, which is it's a four four two with the the outside players just play a little higher and pinched in, but it's similar to a box. I think it could work like that.
1: Any other um, midfield comments? I think Andy Sullivan has, like, quietly really become one of the top midfielders. Yeah.
2: Well, she's so, like, had such a resurgent season and is clearly so a enmeshed with the national team right now. When I did my first run-through, I left her off. I had forgotten that she wasn't on the national th- team at the World Cup. Like, that's how much I think she came up in, in my, my opinion of her and, and how much she's gotten kind of reclaimed a spot on the national team. Uh, I, I completely forgot about her and I went back and I said, oh, oh, crap. I'm going to kick somebody off.
0: Yeah, and then there Windsor her She could be like a, a dominant, dominant player for the U.S. in the next 10 years. Like she's got that level in her.
1: Yeah. You know, and that 2018 Washington Spirit team was just so pitiful. And she just, I think, kind of lowered her play to that. You know, that was her rookie season. I think she just kind of fell into a really bad Situation and did not impress in the league, and I think that cost her. I think if she was on a different team in eighteen as a rookie, I absolutely think she'd have been on the World Cup team.
0: Well, she had an ACL injury too that she was coming off of, right? Well, twenty end of twenty sixteen, I think. So
1: guess right, wasn't she supposed to come out and be a allocation player?
0: I, I think, think she, she probably was on that path because I, if I rem- if I am remembering this correctly, she played on the October and November twenty sixteen post-Olympic team uh friendlies and then tore her acl in the playoffs that year for stanford
1: That sounds right to me I think it was the
0: first round of the or not the first round but they played i think maybe santa clara uh in late november of 2016 and then that's where she tore Yeah.
3: all
1: right
0: here are my forwards lynn williams Sophia
1: huerta Sophia smith who's another one of those players success at every level of the youth game why not give her a shot here Kristen Hamilton, Ashley Hatch, Amy
0: Rodriguez. Yeah, I had uh, Williams, uh, Hamilton, Hatch, Rodriguez, Huerta, just like you. Um, and then I, I I, really struggled my fifth and sixth. So my fifth and sixth were Huerta and Kaylea Watt. Um, but I could have gone Bethany Balser. Um, I could have been maybe talked into Smith. Uh, I think Savannah McCaskill might be in that picture, depending on how the next year or two goes for her. But I think the top four are pretty solid, and then you know, we're going to have to kind of see where a lot of these other bubble players end up.
2: Yeah, this was for me the kind of the hardest where I had a pretty large group and kind of started narrowing it down, and players went in and out. But I ultimately ended up with Hatch, Purse, Amy Rodriguez, Fia Smith, Allie Watt, and yeah. Lynn Williams. Um, so Smith and Watt were kind of my two where I've I watched them for youth teams and in the college game, and I, I think with the teams that they ended up and then there was that they're going to they're going to do pretty good and I think I've had those two kind of penciled in for national team futures for a while so I kind of took a swing on it Arod I think is is absolutely earned her place here plus she brings the experience um I absolutely do not like Mitch person outside back I'm not a fan of it I haven't been impressed by it I think she's wasted back there I think that she's one of those that's going to use her speed to overcome a lot of other defensive uh, shortcomings and I think that can get exposed on the highest levels um, I, I'm not a huge. I think Kristen Hamilton is kind of like maybe like Merritt Matthias, where she does really well in the team that she's on and the system she's in. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's going to be replicated much of anywhere else. So I didn't really ever ever consider her here. Um, but but for me, McCaskill and then Kaylia um, Watt were two. I was like, you if you do better, you could get yourself back in. I'm no. not sold that that's going to happen enough for me to to put them in. I don't know about where to, I just don't know anything about
0: her. Well, the thing, the thing <laughs> is, is like when she was in Chicago, she was right there, you know, like 10 goals a year, right on the edge of breaking out in a big way. And then between her playing outside back for the national team and then going to Houston, we don't really know where she's at. So this I will would, be a big year for her.
2: Yeah. I would love to see a world where no one had ever mentioned outside back to Sophia. Mercer, yeah. I think that would yeah. spun her did uh-huh. a 180 for her development and just really yeah. set her back several years, messed with her head, got her, you know, switching teams, and, and just just really did her her a negative favor.
1: Yep, I'm kind of surprised we all had Hatch. I thought I might be the only one with Hatch, because I thought she was the best player on that aforementioned 2018 Spirit team. I don't think she is a player who can take over a game by herself. But I think if you have Ashley Hatch as your center forward and – players like Williams and Rodriguez running off her, I think you, she could be very, very dangerous.
2: I was about to say, I think she's, she's kind of quietly underrated. She's never going to be um, that superb game changer. But I, I picture her and, and Amy Rodriguez, and I think those two could, could play very well with each other. Um, I, to this day, still have reservations about Lynn Williams, but she's more than done enough to, to earn a spot here. I just want to see her do it consistently against top teams and, and be a little bit more efficient.
0: Wouldn't you say that right now Williams is probably in the 23 if you were picking a team today? Like a, I, like an A team.
2: If you go for Vlatko, for sure.
0: Yeah. She's I, right I, up there. I would say right that Williams, there. Sullivan, and maybe even Casey Short, if you had a tournament in June this summer or, you know, a 23-player roster, and if we're not talking about Olympics, we're talking about a regular 23, I think Williams – Short and Sullivan are probably all on that team.
1: I still wonder what happened to Short, though, earlier this year. Why she? Why? Why? why does she just keep not making it as far as we think she's going to make it? We've had this discussion a lot. Yeah, I don't know. That's my concern. And obviously, if you know, if you're not putting Morgan back in there, who obviously, you know, she's, I guess, now a couple days into getting back into soccer shape, but that obviously opens up another spot, makes it a little easier for Williams at this point. I also think, and the Rodriguez front, I think Rodriguez is the type of player that doesn't have to do anything in a game and she can still change a game on an instant. A player like Lynn Williams, I feel like in the first 10 or 12 minutes you can kind of tell like if she's off on her finishing, I think it's unusual for her to then to turn that around and have a good game. I think Amy Rodriguez could come off the bench or be invisible for 70,
0: 75 minutes. You give her one run, Yeah, she can change a game for you like
2: that. Absolutely.
0: And I thought when when we first learned that Alex Morgan was pregnant, I thought Rodriguez might have a shot at the Olympic roster. It obviously didn't look that way based on the call ups that Vlatko was using, but I thought she might sneak back into the picture.
1: Um, Hamilton, Chelsea, I kind of agree with you about Hamilton, but I just couldn't figure out anybody else to put ahead of her. All right, let's look at a couple of things we have seen on Twitter as we put out the question, and we have a response from – I'll get the wrong one pulled up here, so bear with me for a moment. All right, here we go. Um, Johanna says, Casey Short is the absolute first name on my list of 23. I don't think you're alone there. Xandra White says, Klingenberg, question mark. Um I think we all did. anybody put Klingenberg
0: on? I had thought of her, but I just think her time is is past.
2: Yeah, I, I generally think her time is past. When I was debating on whether or not to put Daniels on there, Klingenberg was kind of a name that came came back in. But she's, I mean, she's she's gotten to a place where she's consistent enough for for Portland, but not blowing up anything.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think we obviously we all thought of her, but yeah, her. You know, she'll have, she'll always have 2015. Let us put it that way. And, um, we did get one response that said, Lloyd, well, in case you didn't realize it, um, she maybe didn't start, but Carly Lloyd was indeed on the, uh, World Cup team in 2019. She'll be, she'll be happy to tell you about how she didn't get enough playing time and that she maybe should have been starting. Um, anybody else come out of this thinking that even though this was challenging and fun, that this B team, so to speak, maybe wouldn't win the World Cup?
2: I think my biggest takeaway from this was that maybe that there's a bigger drop off I think than there we would have been willing to admit. I think we like to say oh, our B team would be in the you know the top ten teams, and I'm there are players that would be. I'm not certain the team overall uh, would be as competitive as as we like to think.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think this is a team that under. Uh, the best circumstances is a semi-final, maybe even a final team, but, but could also get knocked out in the, in the round of 16. You know, if I look at who I'd make my starting 11, I could see them losing that game to Spain for sure.
1: And I think you look at players like Ertz, who I still think you can make a case is the best player in the world right now. And a player like Rapino, who even when she's not at her best is still stepping up with ice water in her veins, making big PKs when the games are tied and knockout games, or a player like Tobin Heath, who you can debate how effective she's been, but she can change a game. You know, how much Sauerbrunn keeps things locked in the back, and you, you lose a lot of that. I also want to clarify that I think some of this is based, was it Allie Krieger that said that, our, you know, that we could have two teams in the semifinals of the World Cup? I do think when she said that, she partially meant, the second eleven yeah. in the twenty three that they had in France. Yeah,
2: I think I took that as a second eleven at that that point in time. But yeah, yeah, I, I just besides like on my roster besides Amy Rodriguez, I'm looking at this and that there's a lot of up and comers, a lot of future talent. I just don't know. There's anyone else that could could change a game like we were like you're talking about with her that that if, if you're down and you you want to look at your bench and see who you can point to this, but like you're going to be the one. Um, to to paraphrase a certain former coach, uh, we need a bitch. I don't know that there's any of those there.
1: Yeah, well Zerboni, I guess to some degree for those of us who included Zerboni. Yeah, there's probably half
0: of like of my what I would be my starting eleven. Like five of these players that I'd be comfortable putting into a ultra competitive U.S. game. We you know with the current roster.
1: And you see a player like Haley Hansen, who I think has been great and is one of the hidden gem draft picks, um, number seven, I guess, but it was not a very deep first round that year. But, you know, I love Haley Hansen. She's been capped. I think she deserves a shot in the future. But if I'm thinking, like, is Haley Hansen a World Cup player? Like, right. not, re- not really. Right. So, all right, well, I think that just about wraps things up for this weekend of the Equalizer podcast. We'll come up with... Another fun topic next week, and we'll come right back at you. Um hope everyone stays safe and well. For John Halloran and Chelsea Bush, this is Dan Lauletta. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Equalizer Podcast. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together.